You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, the liturgical year conforming your life to Christ. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Welcome to the show this week, my friend. Good to have you and, uh, and happy new year to you. What do I mean by that? Uh, if you're listening to this uh, broadcast in real time, you know that it's actually uh, towards the end of the year. We haven't really hit the new year yet. But in terms of the church calendar and the liturgical year, we just finished up the year with the Feast of Christ the King, and we are ready to start a brand new calendar year, and that is going to start with Advent. And that's what I'm going to be talking to you about this week is, is something that, frankly, for a lot of people, kind of seems boring, but when you really look at it, uh, it's really quite exciting because the liturgical calendar literally follows the life of Christ. And I want to, I want to talk about that and, uh, and also a, a way for you to look at this new year as a way for you to not just go through the liturgical year, but to conform your life to Jesus. And you get an opportunity to do that every single day. But in order to do that well, you have to understand how the liturgical year is actually put together. And that's what the purpose of this this show is all about. I promise you, it's not going to be dry, and liturgy is not dry. The liturgical year is not dry, although I have to say, growing up, I uh, didn't pay much attention to it at all, and I really didn't know the logic of it, which I imagine was your case, you know, when you were growing up as well, and so uh, looking forward to it. By the way, I do appreciate all of your letters. Uh, If you want to get a hold of me, my email is simply Show at ascensionpress.com. And you can share the show. If you're listening to this on iTunes, you can share it with your friends. If you're listening to it on Ascension Presents, you can also get it on iTunes. And if you do listen on iTunes, I appreciate you uh, ranking the show, leaving some uh, feedback, because that actually helps in the algorithm of the show as far as letting more people know about uh, the great gifts that we have in the Catholic Church. Well, the, the year has ended with Christ the King. Uh, it is the end of our year, and we're going to begin a brand new calendar year now. Kind of like going to the store, you know. Uh, on, right before New Year's, January 1st, a lot of people will go to, uh, they'll go to uh, stores like bookstores or a, an office store, and they'll get a brand new calendar and get ready to, to tackle the new year. And in a way, that's what we are in the process of doing this week. If you are listening at another time, then uh, this still is going to apply to you, but this happens to be the beginning of our new year, uh, beginning with Advent. Uh, By way of just kind of introduction to the liturgical year, uh, uh, looking at it from kind of a biblical perspective, when a person becomes a Christian, uh, they're incorporated into the life of the Trinity and can participate in the grace of God, literally on a day-by-day basis, which, which makes the liturgical year so exciting. Now, deeply lodged within the heart of every believer is the hope of what we call, as Catholics, the beatific vision, which is to one day enjoy God face-to-face for eternity in heaven. Now, with the beatific vision as our goal, all of life on earth must be carefully, purposely lived life aimed at 
perfect conformity to Jesus Christ. And, and that's why we need a calendar. We need to keep God's calendar, so to speak. If you try to go about your own calendar with no structure at all, just hoping you remembered things, chances are you wouldn't remember much. You'd get in trouble and you'd have to go out and buy a planner. Okay. Well, the church has done that for you, so to speak, uh, with a liturgical year. Life in Christ is not primarily a singular relationship with God, a very important thing for us to understand, but it's a community experience where we are immersed in a way of life. Now, the, the Catholic Church is more than a community. It's a family. It's a family in which we learn and we live and we celebrate Christ together. Now, the church, in her wisdom, has orchestrated this way of life every day, every week, every month, and every year in such a way that the faithful will be more perfectly formed to Jesus Christ. In short, the liturgical year of the Catholic Church conforms your life to the life of Christ so that you can better realize and experience the saving work of Jesus, our Lord. Now, the life of Jesus is broken down into seasons and days so that the Christian can live out their life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, it, it could be said that the life of Jesus is mapped out in the liturgical year, and as the faithful enter the rhythm of the church, they enter into the rhythm of the life of the Trinity. So, utilizing the calendar as a means of relating to the saving actions of God, it's not a new invention. We didn't come up with this as Catholics. You know, it's not our invention, all right? That's an important point uh, to get. All throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, the people of God entered into feasts and special holy days as a way to remember the great works of God and to conform their lives to His will. So, we see that in the Old Testament, time was a very important theme in the Bible, and it was intended to be sanctified. You might remember what Paul said in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. He said, Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, each and every day of the believer's life, that's your life, that's my life, it should be lived with an understanding that God keeps a calendar. God keeps a calendar. And by following his calendar, we will not waste time and energy during the course of our life because the calendar will help keep us focused on his will rather than our own. That is key in what I'm trying to communicate today. From the beginning of salvation history to the end, we see that God is a God of order. And by following his lead, order will be brought to our lives. Isn't that what you want? Man, that's what I want. I want to simplify my life. I want order to be brought to my life. And the liturgical year does that. Now, as you look into the Bible, you'll see uh, the feasts of Israel in the Old Testament. And, and frankly, many Christians don't realize that the seven feasts, which God commanded in Leviticus 23, are still observed by our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. The feasts, as given to Israel, have a multifaceted significance. Uh, first, there, there was the, the seasonal aspect of each holiday involving agricultural activities in the land. And, and then the feasts were to be mem a memorial 
of God's dealings with the people of Israel. And finally, there may, there may be prophetic symbolism in these feasts, which there certainly is, as it points to Jesus. And so many Christians see parallels in God's dealings with Israel and God's dealings with the church today. Now, a study of the feasts of Israel will not only bring a greater understanding of the Jewish roots of our faith, it will teach the Christian much about God's plan of redemption throughout the ages. And so Leviticus 23 lists these seven feasts in order of their seasonal observance. You've got Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and booths or tabernacles. Tabernacle. Now, the liturgical calendar has a theme. We're about to begin Advent, and from Advent all the way back around to Christ the King, there is a theme. It begins with Advent, it concludes with feast, the Feast of Christ the King, but from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, the focus is upon the life of Christ. But even more specifically, it's upon his kingdom. And that is key to understanding the liturgical year, that it's, it's really focused on the king and his kingdom. So there's a logic to the liturgical calendar. There's a, certain, there's a certain logic that emphasizes the life of Jesus, and the various important events act as a guide in discovering other important events in the life of Christ. For example, the Annunciation falls nine months prior to the birth of Jesus. The Annunciation, that's when the Blessed Virgin Mary became pregnant with Christ. Well, there's a logic there. If you go to the Feast of the, the Annunciation, well, go five months prior, you'll get the, you know, you'll get the, uh, uh, you, or five, five months later, you get the birth of, of Christ, all right? So, and then, the, and then not only is there a logic to the liturgical calendar, but each, each segment of time is special. You've got days, you've got weeks, you've got uh, Sundays, you've got the year. Like, it, for example, in days, each day in the liturgical year is a microcosm of life. Every single day is a microcosm of life as we have the opportunity to sanctify time every day. Each day is made holy through the liturgical celebrations and becomes the stage on which we demonstrate our trust in God and practice good stewardship. So every day is like a lifetime. It's a microcosm of life. And the liturgical day runs from midnight to midnight. That's how the liturgical day is typically observed, midnight to midnight. But the observance of Sunday and solemnities begins with the evening of the preceding day. The evening, in the evening, like about sun, sundown. Now, Sundays also uh, play a major role in the liturgical year. Uh, the church celebrates uh, the Paschal mystery on the first day of the week. That's Sunday. It's known as the Lord's Day. Uh, and this follows a tradition handed down from the apostles and having its origin from the day of Christ's resurrection. And uh, so Sunday must be ranked as the first holy day of all in the calendar. Every Sunday is a holy day because of the resurrection of Jesus, which his sacrifice, his death, burial, resurrection is a completion and fulfillment of all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Now, the writer of, the, of Hebrews said it this way in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, uh, he said, let us hold fast the confession of our, of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love 
and good deeds, get this, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the Catechism says something about Sundays too. It says in paragraph 2180, on Sundays and other holy days of obligation, the faithful are bound to participate in the Mass. The precept of participating in the Mass is satisfied by assistance at a Mass which is celebrated anywhere in a Catholic rite, either on the holy day or in the evening of the preceding day, which for us would be Saturday evening. Okay. Now, switching to a slightly different topic when we talk about the liturgical year, we get a chance in the liturgical year to soak in God's Word. And this is the this is the, the the genius of the liturgical year, to be frank with you. It's the genius of the liturgical year. It's the Sunday lectionary. It's a guide to the liturgical readings. It's a three-year cycle of three readings. Now, this is brilliant because you're not going to get this at other places so much. Uh, other liturgical churches like uh, Methodist Church, Lutheran Church, they do have a liturgical cycle. But many of your independent churches uh, or Baptist churches or evangelical free, so to speak, uh, they don't have a liturgical plan. Oftentimes the readings and the, the sermon is left to whatever the pastor is interested at that time or, or whatever the church deems important at that particular time. Not so in the Catholic Church. It's, uh, we're bound to this liturgical cycle. The first reading usually comes from the Old Testament and parallels the theme of the gospel reading of the day. The second reading is usually from the epistles or the, or the book of Revelation. Now, the gospel readings are arranged in such a way that they match the life of Christ to the season celebrated. There are three cycles used to gain the most comprehensive look at the life of Christ, and we call those cycle A, cycle B, cycle C. Cycle A focuses on Matthew. By the way, this is all in the, in the, fo- in the footnotes. <laughs> Not the footnotes, but the show notes, okay? Because I know I'm giving you a lot of really cool stuff here, uh, and you don't want to write it down when you're driving. So all this is going to be in the show notes for you. So don't worry, you're going to get it. But Cycle A focuses on the Gospel of Matthew. Cycle B focuses on the Gospel of Mark. And then Cycle C is Luke. Now, the Gospel of John, you say, what about that? Well, that's used in all three cycles especially during cycle A in Lent, during Matthew in Lent. And the lectionary is so extensive that over a three-year cycle, get this, nearly the entire New Testament and most significant portions of the Old Testament are covered. You're not going to get that kind of a diet anywhere. You're not going to get that comprehensive of coverage anywhere. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, During Advent, our focus is upon the coming of the King. That's what, at the time of this broadcast, this, this show, that's what we're about to enter into. During Advent, our focus is upon the coming of the King, and the church will point us toward readings such as Isaiah's Messianic texts. In Lent, the scriptural readings are devoted to the subject of sin, repentance, reconciliation. At Christmas and Easter, Those passages, well, they're related to uh, these major events uh, as well. In addition to the Bible, the breviary, which is the prayers of the church, follows the church calendar as well. It's just, I'll tell you what, the church is pretty smart, you know, a lot smarter than I am. Now, throughout this calendar, what we're going to visit over the next year is we're going to have special days called solemnities, feasts, and memorials. 
And I'm going to talk about those, and then I'm going to quickly walk you through the liturgical calendar the whole year so we get kind of a feel for it. But we're going to do that right after this break. Don't go away and uh, come on back because we're going we're gonna to talk about the solemnities, feasts, and memorials. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Father Mike Schmitz, and if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Okay, welcome back. Uh, as I promised before the break, we're going to talk about the solemnities, feasts, and memorials. In other words, along the liturgical calendar, there's going to be some big days. There's going to be some big happenings that the church has deemed so important that we need to make a whole day and say, hey, this is going to be our focus, right? It's kind of like in your marriage. If you're married, well, what are the days that you focus on throughout the year? Well, you might focus on on uh, your birthdays, your wife's birthday, your birthday, uh, your family's, the kids' birthdays. You'll focus certainly on um, memorials of the passing of loved ones. And you will, you will also celebrate your anniversary. Every year you do it. Why? Big event in your life. Same with the church. So as the church celebrates the mystery of Christ in the yearly cycle, the church also venerates with a particular love Mary, the mother of God, and sets before the devotion of the faithful the memory of the martyrs and other saints. The saints of universal significance have celebrations that are obligatory throughout the entire church. And I always use that word obligatory. Jeff, give me a break. It's obligatory. It's a, listen, it's obligatory because you need it. You know, it's like me saying to my wife, is it obligatory that every year we celebrate our anniversary? <laughs> well, yeah. Why? Because it's such a big event that we want to celebrate it. Saints are great role models as they have been successful in serving the king and continue to pray for our success. Other saints are left to the veneration of particular regions or religious families. Like St. Dominic, the Dominicans really you know, venerate that, 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 that wonderful saint. So there's, there's, there's solemnities, there's feasts, there's memorials, but then there's days of obligation. Oh, we got that word again. <laughs> obligation, devotion. Uh, what are we obligated to? You're obligated to the big, big events. What are they? Well, uh, the church has determined that these, these days are so important that they have, have deemed them days of obligation. And, and on these special days, Christians, they're obligated to what? To do what? To attend Mass and enter into the mystery of Christ. And here's, here's some, of the, some of the days of obligation. You've got uh, January 1st is the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God. You've got Easter. You've got the Ascension. You have August 15th, the Assumption of Mary. You've got November 1st, the Feast of All Saints. And you have December 8th, the Immaculate Conception. Now, 
Those are the days of obligation. Let's look at the liturgical seasons for a minute, shall we? And let's kind of go through this. And I'm not going to get into the weeds here. We're going to just kind of fly over this with the time that we have because I want you to sense the feel of it. Especially those of you that are listening right now that we just finished Feast of Christ the King. We're about to enter into Advent, which is New Year's Day for us. That's our New Year's celebration is Advent. Uh, And the very first of the liturgical seasons is Advent. Now, remember that every part of the year has something to do with Jesus and his kingdom. So Advent is what? It's the time that we prepare for the coming of the king. Color, violet. Advent is a time of twofold preparation. It's a season to prepare for Christmas, which marks the first coming of Christ, and as a season when the heart and mind prepare for the second coming of Christ at the end of time. So the church begins Advent with the evening prayer of the Sunday following following on or closest to November 30th uh, and, and before evening prayer of Christmas. The Sundays of, and that's when it goes to, but it ends before the evening prayer of Christmas. The Sunday of this season uh, is named uh, the first, second, third, and fourth Sundays of Advent, okay? So once we we are through with the the preparation for the coming of the king, Advent, we hit Christmas. What do we do at Christmas? Well, we celebrate the birth of the king. Color, white. Next to the yearly celebration of the Paschal Mystery of Easter, the church holds most sacred the memorial of Christ's birth. This is amazing. The Christmas season runs from evening prayer of Christmas until the Sunday after Epiphany or after January 6th. Christmas marks the incarnation when God became a man. And for the first time, God walks among us as one of us. Amazing. It's amazing. Now, the Epiphany is the last Sunday of the Christmas octave. And this commemorates the visit of the of the wise men. Now, once we're done with Christmas, we've gone from Advent to Christmas, we're going to go into ordinary time. Ordinary time. Let me say something about ordinary time here. Uh, The color is green, and and what we're going to be looking at in ordinary time is we're going to learn the teachings of the king and the work of building the kingdom. Now, when we talk about ordinary time, we're not just saying, well, it's just ordinary time. It's not really special. Not at all. The word ordinary really, really points to this idea of ordered. Ordered. These are ordered days. Our life is ordered by something. And it's by these days in the teachings of Christ. So 33 or 34 weeks remain in the yearly cycle. That does not celebrate a specific aspect of the mystery of Christ. Rather, especially on the Sundays, they are devoted to the mystery of Christ in all of its aspects, and we look at the mystery of Christ. Ordinary time begins on Monday after the Sunday following January 6th and continues until Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. It begins again on Monday after Pentecost and ends before evening prayer of the first Sunday of Advent. Again, again, all this is in the show notes for you, okay? Then we hit, after the first period of ordinary time, we've gone through through what? Advent, Christmas, right? Advent, Christmas, ordinary time. So we celebrated the coming of the king. We look forward to it. We celebrate the birth of the king, ordinary time. We learn the teachings of the king, and then we hit Lent. 
and we prepare for the most important action of the king, the death, burial, and resurrection. Color? Violet. Now, Lent is a preparation for the, ce the celebration of Easter. And Lent runs from Ash Wednesday until the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Okay. Now, the word during this time, you, maybe you remember this, the word al Alleluia is not used. From the beginning of Lent until the Easter Vigil. On Ash Wednesday, ashes are distributed, reminding the faithful that it was from dust they came and dust they will return. And then the sixth Sunday of Lent marks the beginning of Holy Week, and it's called Palm Sunday. And the, the, uh, the Triduum is a part of the liturgical calendar. Lent leads up to the Triduum, which is these, uh, the, these celebrations of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We enter into the what? The final week of the king's life. Color, white and red. Now, the culmination of the liturgical year is the Easter Triduum of the Passion and Resurrection of Christ. It's not the end of the calendar, but it's the culmination of the calendar. Easter is to the liturgical year, get this, Easter is to the liturgical year what the Sunday is to the week, the zenith of celebration. This Holy Week, the Triduum, is marked by five special days. You've got Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. At the same time, the sacrificial flock for the Passover enters Jerusalem. Color, red. Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday, the bishop blesses the oils and consecrates the chrism. And the oil will be used on those who will be receiving the sacrament of confirmation during the Easter Vigil. You've got Good Friday, and it marks the betrayal and the arrest of the, the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we venerate the cross of Christ. And then you've got the Easter Vigil, the day before uh, uh, Sunday. And it's, the vigil is, is called the Mother of All Vigils. <laughs> and it's celebrated on the Saturday night preceding Easter Sunday. And the church keeps watch eagerly awaiting the resurrection of the Lord. And then, Easter Sunday, we enter into the resurrection life of the King. Isn't this great? The color's white. Easter Sunday, the celebration of the resurrection of the King. And the 50 days from Easter Sunday to Pentecost are celebrated, get this, in the church calendar as one great Sunday. One great Sunday. And the readings for those 50 days after Easter, the liturgical readings during that period are called the mystagogy. Mystagogy, they are aimed at educating the new believers who came into the church, educating them in the mystery of Christ. These days correspond to the 40 days after the resurrection when Jesus taught his disciples very important truths of the kingdom, those 40 days. The first eight days of the Easter season make up the octave of Easter. And on the 40th day after Easter, the ascension is celebrated. And the weekdays after the ascension until the Saturday before Pentecost are a preparation for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost 50 celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And then we move on to another ordinary time, and we end with 
Christ the King, the culmination of the liturgical calendar. Now, in, in, to conclude some of our thoughts here, because my goal today in the show was just to lay out the calendar for you and to let you know, hey, it's so important for us to follow the life of Christ. But we've got to be present. We have to be purposeful about it. We've got to think about it throughout the year. We cannot go to Mass week after week after week, just kind of, you know, dazed and not paying attention. Now, this also brings up another important point, and that is this. The role of the parish liturgist is very, very important to the life of the parish. Why? Well, while, while they work behind the scenes, they quietly guide the parish community through the life of Christ. Take some time to thank your parish liturgist. If you're a parish liturgist, thank you. They are the ones who are working hard at keeping God's calendar for you. And our responsibility is to respond with a humble heart. And when you get asked to change the colors in the church and they need some hands, you know you're part of the calendar at that point. Now, let me give you as a conclusion here the uh, top 10 reasons to follow the liturgical calendar. Top 10 reasons, okay? Drum roll, please. Number one, an opportunity to cultivate conversion in your life. Number two, an opportunity to cultivate communion. Number three, an opportunity to cultivate solidarity with one another. Number four, top 10 reasons why we should follow the liturgical calendar, an opportunity to conform family life to the life of Christ. And number five, opportunity to be influenced by the great saints in the family of God. Number six, keep that drum roll, opportunity to face issues in your life that you may not face if left to your own calendar. And number seven, an opportunity to prepare for heaven. Number eight, God knows what you need when, when, uh, when you need it. He knows what you need when you need it, and those readings are going to come up. And number nine, God's calendar brings order to our lives. And number 10, big drum roll, top 10 reasons why we should follow the liturgical calendar. Missing appointments with God is just downright rude. <laughs> All right, there you go. The top 10 reasons why we should follow the liturgical calendar. And uh, uh, I might even change the title of this show to that. Top 10 reasons why we should follow the liturgical calendar. Well, Happy New Year, my friend, and begin Advent with your eyes wide open, your heart open, and follow the life of Christ throughout the liturgical year. And more importantly, conform your life to the life of Christ. Again, uh, I'm going to pray in a moment, but go to iTunes and rank the show. Leave me some notes. If you want to write me questions or uh, you have got ideas for shows, my email is thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for giving us your calendar where we can conform our lives to your life. What an honor it is to walk with you. What, an, what a gift we have been given by you in the church to follow you. May we be faithful not only to the, the calendar and to going to Mass and celebrating the, the feasts and the solemnities and the memorials and all the wonderful things and the days of obligation, 
but may we be faithful to walk as you walk. May we, may we be faithful to walk in your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My friend, you have a fantastic week and a fantastic year. Happy New Year.